General Michael Hayden, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Judge Business School Cambridge Leadership Seminar today. Um, you began uh, your talk, which is entitled Managing Complex Organisations in Times of Crisis, by actually uh, saying how, when you were in the NSA, the DNI, the director of the CIA, um, you applied your theories. Are there common experiences when you manage or at the top of an organisation such as these that might apply to other organisations that aren't connected with security? Oh, no, I, I, think, I think so. Uh, security organizations have, have peculiar circumstances, but in broad terms, they're you know, comprised of human beings. They're trying to accomplish a mission. There are some extremes you, you experience there that you may not experience in business, threat to life, for example. But, but broadly speaking, uh, I think the approaches work. I mean, a, a good platoon commander is, is a leader, and those leadership skills can be applied to a variety of, of circumstances and situations. So I think it, they are easily transferable. And you said that when you go into an organization, the first thing you do is to assess the story. Now, that might seem easy. So the first thing I want to ask is, why do you say assess the story? And the next thing is, how do you do it? Well, from the outside looking in, when I've looked at others who have not succeeded, uh, talented people, people you think might, might do very well, and have not, one of the unifying themes that I see, one of the threads that seems to be present, and, and this is going to sound a bit harsh, and I don't quite mean it that way, is that it becomes about them. It's, it's the, the leadership approach that emanates from them is about them. I, I'm, I want to be, I'm a tough guy, so I'm going to act like a tough guy, or I'm an understanding guy, so I want to act like an understanding guy. You can't change your personality. But it's more about the organization. It's more about the mission than it is about yourself. You have to accommodate to where the organization is in its own life cycle. Uh, and I, I mentioned in, in, in the talk earlier that some organizations need to be shaken up. Uh, others don't. And you need to know that before you start taking action. And, and you have to be respectful that you need to spend a little time actually gathering data so that you know exactly what needs to be applied in the circumstances. You did mention the title of one book, but, but how do you go about making those assessments? Are they intuitive? Are they based on experience rising up through organizations? Or, or do you read a lot of management theory manuals? I, I don't read a lot of management theory manuals. Uh, it is somewhat intuitive, but I also hope that it's fact-based. I mean, you, you go into an organization, somebody selected you to go there for a reason, and they generally tell you what that reason is. So if at, at, at a minimum, you begin this with a working hypothesis as to why you've been sent there and what people want you to achieve. But, but then you need to give it time. You, you, you need to be absorbing information rather than barking out orders from the bridge uh, in the first hour or two uh, that you're there. Uh, I mentioned being director of NSA and ultimately getting to the point where this organization needs to be shaken up. That took a year. I mean, NSA is a national treasure. One doesn't tinker with it you know, just for the sport. And so you've got to give yourself some time to, to truly understand. And, and frankly, the harsh judgment I made was I'm not sure of the way ahead, but I am sure that any direction I take is going to be more healthy for NSA than standing still. You mentioned changing the name badges and the number of people who could travel up to the yeah. top floor on the lift as well, just small stories. Small things. And we did big things too, like taking our information technology infrastructure and outsourcing it to a private firm. That is a non-trivial event. 
but in order to get everyone to understand that uh, things are going to be different here, you need to make some of these less significant but more visible changes. A parallel. Uh, Eric Shinseki, when he was chief of staff of the Army, uh, directed that every soldier in America's Army will, will wear a beret. Okay? Now, um, honest men differ as to whether that was a good idea, but, but Eric's viewpoint was the beret was worn only by elite units up to that point. He wanted every soldier to think, you are elite, and I think you are elite. You should wear a beret. I mean, those are the kinds of things. That's kind of marginal. That's kind of trivial, uh, but it carries some important messaging. All right, so if you said at the NSA you thought it should be shaken up, at the DNI you thought it should be built up, and at the CIA you wanted to let it settle down, and by your own admission, part of those judgment calls come through your own experience and and intuition. But but do you have to evidence these changes? Because surely you've got to persuade people to take them with you. Yes, you you do. Uh, And and at some point, it, it, it won't come out as a syllogism, and you don't gather the staff there and say, whereas, whereas, and, and finally you get, to a, you get to a therefore. You have got to be open. You go, you, you, your intuition tells you things. Certainly the person who put you in the leadership position has told you some things. You need to be continually open in the dialogue with your senior leadership team and with others, with the entire workforce, a certain level of honesty. You've got to tell me what's really going on around here to prove and continually reprove or disprove the, the hypothesis. So that's a, that's a continual process. And in terms of telling your own story, one of the things you said about being a director was only do what the director can do, and that may be externally facing being the director and the outside face of the organisation. But you also talked about going and sitting in the canteen with the staff and actually not sitting uh, alone on a table but finding the empty seat on a full table. Why? Again, you could fill up your day with any number of tasks. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. It's not peculiar to intelligence. I think many positions share that. So you've got to narrow it down. What is it that only I can do? And, and when you come right down to it, um, it's less the professional things and, and, and more the leadership, motivational uh, kinds of things. We have a, kind of a rule of thumb in the American military, up through the rank of colonel, you you get advanced by doing things right, okay, F- functionally proficient. After the rank of colonel, more and more, you get advanced by doing the right things. And so, therefore, it, it doesn't come down to, I, I, I write the best paper, I give the best speech. It's making, it's making the right big decisions. Uh, only a director can do that. He doesn't have to get involved in, in, in the trivial or the detailed. As long as he's setting the broad, broadly correct course for the organization, he's doing his job. And that includes the face of the organization to the outside world and to a very real extent the identity of the organization internally, and that does require him to sit in the cafeteria and talk to the workforce and have time for the troops and, and to travel a lot to different installations and to learn what, what his people are doing. And at the end of the day, particularly in intelligence security kinds of activities, you're going to ask people to do things that ultimately you may feel you don't have a right to ask them. And if you haven't established that identity, that presence, that relationship, you can't make that happen. 
and just a quickly a little caveat question here before we move on to the next one. But you did say for people rising up the ladder, if you were a deputy, uh, your job as a deputy anywhere to, to the top was to do what the director wasn't doing. Exactly right. And, and sometimes uh, that isn't planned out in detail. You just have to look to see where the deputy... Let, let me be more direct. As a deputy, with all deference and respect you have to make a judgment as to where the senior's strengths and weaknesses lie and go take care of the latter. And, and you don't have to announce that. You, you, you don't have to write it on a card or make it part of a work plan, but you have to recognize that, and you have to provide that service uh, to the senior leader. That's almost intuition again, not management theory. But, but your, your motives, mottos for the lecture were communicate, be a presence, read the situation. Is this a universal message to managing change in complex organizations at times of crisis? Absolutely. I, 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 I can't imagine how it would be different in, in, a, in an academic institution, in a large firm, uh, in, in an NGO. I think it, it, it's, these are the, would be universal traits that someone who wants to move the organization, not tend to it, uh, not, not just get it by for the day, but actually move the organization in the direction either of change and excellence, um, th- those are the traits I think are absolutely essential. And, and finally, that lovely story of how when you were director of the CIA, the question that made you freeze in your own words was the one where, where a member of your staff asked, what should we call you? Why was that so difficult? There's a culture within CIA uh, and, and largely within a civilian American government of a certain degree of informality. For example, the National Security Advisor is generally called by his first name. So, so Mr. Hadley was generally called Steve. The director of CIA is generally called by his first name, George or Porter. And now I'm a four-star serving Air Force general, not usually accustomed to being called by his first name. And so my first town meeting with the workforce, as we've already described, feeling fairly beaten down, and now they got a general coming in to be their director. I mean, I don't want to say they were suspicious or cynical, but there may have been an air of skepticism. And one of the first questions I get at the town meeting is, so what do we call you? Without a comma and a, and a term of address in the question, what do we call you? And as I said, I'm usually quick on my feet, but that one caused me to think. And I came across with an answer that I've learned later was really very, very important. And I simply said, whatever makes you comfortable. Well, communicate, be a presence, read the situation. Uh, General Michael Hayden, Michael, General, uh, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Judge Business School Cambridge Leadership Seminar today. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. And frankly, as I do in all these kinds of events, but particularly tonight, I actually learned a lot by the dialogue with your students. So thank you. Thank you.